I started to have an idea when I was watching the show back and I saw that so many things weren't in there and I was like, this is not great for me. This is, and I started feeling like a, a, a little bit of nervous energy, but they, I mean, I'd had my meeting to go back. So I was like, okay, I guess I am good. And then I found out on Daily Mail that I was like, oh. What? Wait, no one called you? Well, I, I was on the treadmill or the bike or whatever, and a friend of mine sent it to me and I was like, no, come on. I think we start filming in two weeks or whatever it was. And then I called my my reps and I'm like, what the hell, what is this? And they're like, oh, we were going to call you today. We knew you were, you know, on vacation with your family this weekend and we didn't want to say anything, but we didn't think it would be leaked this early. Stay tuned. We'll get into my conversation right after these quick ads. Welcome to Reality with the King. It's me, Carlos King, the king of reality TV and one of the most sought after executive producers in reality television with over 10 years of production experience. Twice a week on Reality with the King, we'll sit down with my friends across the entertainment industry, recap our favorite reality shows, and revisit unforgettable moments that we are still talking and tweeting about. Well, hello, Raindrops. Today, I have a very special guest. She is someone who I really did like on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Some of you guys didn't, but we're going to get into that too. But I liked her, and I'm going to explain to you guys why. Also, she is the host of the number one podcast in TV and film, along with our good friend, Tamara Judge. Yes, bitches. I'm talking about my girl, the blonde (laughs) bombshell, Teddy Mellicamp. You know what? I need you to do all of my intros. That was amazing. Thank you so much for having me. We love you. Us twats love you. I love you, ladies. I love the twats. I told you guys before. When I was a special guest on your podcast, I'm a twatter myself. When I learned that Tamara and Teddy were going to do a podcast together, I was like, this is so weird. I think it's a dumb idea. How good is this going to be? And then I listened to the first episode, and I said, ooh. Because when I'm wrong, I will admit that I'm wrong. I said, wait, this is actually good. I immediately subscribed to it. And every single episode, Teddy, is so good and so juicy. And you guys have the top podcast in TV film. And in terms of Housewives, you guys have surpassed Bethany Frankel, Heather Debro, Giselle and Robin. You guys are truly the top. But why did Giselle and Robin? I was like, hold on. They, I saw that they got they tagged us and said, we don't know what they're talking about. The, you know, them saying they were the, the first you know, number one, I was like, we never, we, one, Potomac is my favorite of any Housewife franchise. I am obsessed with Potomac and I love them. And I was like, what the, why are they coming for us? The more the <laughs> merrier. No, that's how I feel about my position as a late night host and somebody who had a career in producing reality TV and now I've transitioned from the camera. But there's people who hate on me, and I feel like you, like, there's room for all of us to win. So I'm with you, Teddy girl. 
Did you feel shade from Giselle and Robin like it was fun shade? Or do you think, no shade to those ladies, they truly don't know their numbers? Even if you don't know, like if they weren't an iHeart podcast and they can't see our actual numbers, you can go to where it says TV and film, top episodes, top shows, and you can and you can learn it. That being said, they could have just been, you know, being playful. I've noticed that a lot of people are trying to be playful to kind of shade the pod, but then people keep talking about it. So I'm like, great. For us, that's money in our pockets. Keep it coming. Keep talking about it. Like, it's on Watch What Happens Live every week. I'm like, great. One thing I've learned doing this podcast is, Teddy, we are the starter of conversations. And we're the ones who actually have an influence on people watching the current programs on reality TV. And I'll give you an example. I interviewed Marlo Hampton on my podcast, and it broke the internet. She trended, Sheree trended, Candy trended. It, it was all over the blogs. So much so, her interview dropped on a Wednesday. Atlanta Housewives came on that Sunday. That Sunday, after my podcast interview, Teddy, was the highest rated episode of the season so far. It, it's the only episode that did over a million same day. And that's because of Reality with the King podcast and my interview with Marlo. It's because everybody is on social media. Everybody is listening to podcasts now. Everybody's streaming different things. So the fact that just getting more information out there and disagree with it, agree with it, whatever you want. I'm not saying that, and I'm sure you're not saying either, that everything we say or comes out of our mouth is 100% you have to agree with but it's gonna open the conversation. And that's the point. Exactly, so let's open this conversation. I have a question for you, Teddy. Where were you on January 6th? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I couldn't help myself. Like, I'm one of those people that I'm chill until I'm not chill anymore. Like you, and by the way, I'm not really chill ever. I'm very type A and controlling, but I, I allowed it when she was on the podcast with me and Tamara because I was thinking maybe she's joking when she kept saying how jealous she was and all of these things. But where it really started to piss me off was not necessarily what she was saying about me. I'm used to it. But when she couldn't support her friend Tamara's podcast on Entertainment Tonight, that's when I was like, take me out of the equation. You're supposedly best friends. The interviewer, Bryce Sander, brings up two teas in a pod, and instead of being like, Tamara, congratulations, this is, you know, whatever, she's like, ugh, I don't like Teddy, I don't like, and I'm like, we don't want to talk about that, we don't want that brought up in the press, this isn't about Tamara, and I'm like, but it actually is, and anytime any of my friends can be brought up and put in the forefront, I want to, you know, lift them up in the same way, like, yes, get it. Yes, and we're talking about Vicky Govelson. And is it true that Vicky Govelson tried to get you fired off of your own podcast? Yes. <gasps> she called my boss at iHeart um, after doing my podcast and with Tamara and said, you know, I really think the podcast would be better if it was with me and Tamara and goes on and on and on. And my boss is like, well, one, we had our deal with Teddy to start. Teddy brought Tamara on. And we're not replacing her. And you could say all you want, but it's not happening. 
and was very straightforward with her. But then here's the part that's even more bananas is after all this happens and she says everything on Watch What Happens Live on Bryce Sander, she had her reps email iHeart for a podcast. And they're like, you're absolutely not getting a podcast. Like you're, you know, been dogging out our number one podcast. We're not, you know, like you can come into ours. I'm happy to have you have a conversation with Teddy on the podcast or fill in for Tamara from time to time, but we're absolutely not doing a separate thing. Wow. So she tried to get you fired off your own podcast where you have a deal first and you actually brought Tamara on. And then she tried to get a deal at the very company that produces your podcast. Listen, I think Vicky is great television. She's one of my top 10 greatest housewives of all time. Is Vicky the jealous type? Like, we know that Tamara's coming back on OC. Congratulations. Do you think Vicky is jealous of Tamara and any woman who succeeds more than she does? I think she, I mean, I'm one of those people who, when it comes to my friendships, I love when they're all friends. But I think that anybody that comes between her and somebody she doesn't, maybe she has insecurities about her relationships. I don't think she necessarily doesn't want Tamara to succeed, but she's just fueled by her own, I don't know, insecurity that it's not her. Whereas I can separate the two things. Of course, there are things I'm insecure about. Of course, there are things that I feel bad about. But that doesn't take away from how much I want my friends to succeed or how much I'm excited for Tamara or when I got the podcast, how I connected Kyle and Tamara and they got along perfectly because they both love and care about me. There's no reason to have to block a friendship unless you're feeling insecure about your own. Whose ego is bigger, Vicky Govacin's or Elisa Vanderpump's? say completely different because Vicky does it straightforward. She does it right to your face. She does it like she's intense about it. And Lisa Vanderpump does it through the side kind of being a victim. So then you feel bad and then people attack you for it. Vicky, there's no like, I, I do appreciate that. It's not like I'm not getting it. She's saying it to me. Let's talk about your time on the show and let's have a real deep in depth conversation about it. So when you came on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, obviously you were a breath of fresh air. A first season housewife, it takes a minute to get used to it because from my experience producing housewives, it's hard for a first season housewife to understand what's going on because what the audience doesn't realize is, yes, it's a reality show, but it's also like this game of Survivor and Big Brother in the sense of, You're trying to survive on the island. And in this case, it's the island of 90210. Secondly, Big Brother in the sense of you have to build an alliance with someone in order to stay strong with these friendships you're trying to cultivate. So it's hard for you to be present because you're trying to figure out as a newbie what's real, what's fake, what's going on. Was that your experience your first season? I would say I went into my first season. Erica was accurate when she said, whatever it was, you're like a a fawn and don't try to be a fawn in the wood or whatever it was that she said, like a deer, like stuck in the headlights. Essentially, that's what she said. And that was pretty much me the first season. I was so in my head, not necessarily about trying to form an alliance, but because I didn't know anyone going into it. I wasn't, regardless of what people have said, I definitely didn't have the most money. I was 
35 years old. I had nothing in common with a lot of the women on the show. And all of a sudden I'm being told, dress up, do this, show up. No, you can't wear that. But you know, like all of these things. And I'm trying to recalculate who I was, but still be me. So that's, I think a lot of my emotions, the first season was just, I was uncomfortable. If I came back now, it would be a completely different situation because I'm comfortable in my own skin. I'm comfortable talking in a public forum. But I mean, at that point in time, I had ridden horses for a living. I was very, you know, I'd known the same people my entire life. And then you throw me in front of, you know, a full crew and start knowing that we're going to have to create drama. And I didn't know how to handle it. Yeah. And, And the thing that Erica said was, you think you're a fawn among sharks. Teddy, raise up or get the fuck out. Come on, girl. Yeah. And that's, and that really was, and then as I stayed on the show and I saw it happening with other women that were the same way that I was, I could see myself starting to harden to it. Like, come on, you know what you signed up for, but in my, you know, you just, it's the progression of being on the show. Your first season, you're completely at shock, like on what's happening. And then as you go, you start to know more. And then in my case, I I made some big mistakes. Do you think you were cast on the show because John Mellencamp's your father? I think partially, for sure. But I think that I also, I I think my dad's really private. So the idea of getting to know a portion of him was, you know, an ideal. And of course, they would have hoped that he was going to be on the show. Um, But I also knew during my audition, I was going to get it. I was good. Like that day. I may have not been good after that, but I put on a good show for my audition and then I got scared. They used a little tiny chunk of my audition tape in the first season. And it's when I'm with my kids, I'm in shorty shorts, platform shoes. Like I look ridiculous. And like they're jumping on the trampoline. And I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot I did that during the audition because I wanted to like stand <laughs> out or whatever. I mean, it's so embarrassing. Cringe. <laughs> and the thing is this. A lot of people, Teddy, hate you. Yeah. They consider you to be the most boring housewife in the history of the franchise of all cities. You trended almost every week with a lot of negative commentary. One thing I've learned producing reality TV is sometimes social media can do a toll on your mental health. When you are going through being called the most boring housewife in the history, even celebrities would say that about you. Did that do a toll on your mental health and and confidence? I would say the part that did the toll for me was my relationship with production. They felt like almost like family to me. And I really did anything I was ever asked. And I moved story. And like, I'm a do-gooder type. So like, if you if you show up to work, I was never a day late. I did exactly what I knew that I needed to do. And then I felt like, and this is, I'm not blaming editing, but I felt like they only showed one portion of me and that was moving story, which no matter if that was Denise or Vanderpump or whomever it was, then you didn't see, like you wouldn't even have known that I was pregnant my last season. If I didn't have a bump, they, they don't show really any other part. And so that, I mean, it was more just like, guys, I did so much. Like I always was the one, you know, even in Provence, I was the one that would just make it happen. And I know that the other women saw that, like, that's why everybody was so bummed when I was, when I left, because they're like, no, (laughs) we're going to have to do this ourselves now. 
I think the biggest thing that I did for my mental health, which I was spiraling, kind of getting the the hate, was when I openly said that I was fired. I, I wasn't supposed to do that. I was not allowed to say that I was fired, and I did. And that took a lot of, like, because I didn't want to be like, oh, I wanted to spend more time with my family and make up something, like all the other house. I've decided to step away to focus on my business. You got in trouble for being honest about being fired? Yes, you're not supposed to, and I mean, I don't want to get in trouble now, but ideally, you have noticed all of the housewives prior to my making that type of announcement all did a very vague announcement. Like, it was both of our decisions to mutually move on. It's like those BS divorce posts. Like, we're moving on as best friends, but, you know, come on. Uh... But I just couldn't. I was getting attacked like so much in social media. I was like, my publicist was like, you can't do it. You have to just say. And then I was like, no, I'm, I have to say I got fired. And then thankfully, Andy went on Radio Andy or whatever it was and was like, it was actually very refreshing that a housewife actually took ownership over the fact that she did get fired. Was this the network or the production company wanting you to um, say otherwise? Nobody actually had the conversation with me, but they had conversations with, with my representatives. But I can't really say who, but it's the, it's a given. So now you're starting to see it. Like you see Noella and Jen. Noella posted that she was fired. Jen did the standard, you know, it's not you, it's me, the dance. Yeah, and after you, because Tamara is like you, she's so honest, she was even like, I was fired. Yeah, but I think, wasn't Tam just demoted and then decided to... Oh, right, you're right. So that's the difference. Wow, you know what, Teddy? I never knew that because... When I was producing other cities and I knew women were getting fired, I never knew that was the case. But you're right. Every single housewife, especially, have released a statement that was like, the show is moving in a different direction, but I'm honored to whatever. And it's like, girl, you got fired. But that's the reason why I've always liked you, because you were somebody on the show, and this is me speaking as a producer. I always noticed that if it wasn't for you, things would not be happening. And I feel like Kyle is now being the one that has to get story moving by calling people out and blurting things out. If it wasn't for you, Teddy, saying to Denise Richards that, look, I'm just going to say it, Brandy Glanville said you guys had sex. You were always the one that brought things out. The same thing with exposing Lisa Vanderpump, because I feel like the other women were too scared to do it because of the backlash from the LVP stands. Yeah. But you always stood your ground, and I've always appreciated that. Knowing that you were the one doing that, did you feel like, well, shit, I'm the one that's making things happen. My job is cemented? Well, I thought my job was cemented because I had already... One, I was pregnant my last season. And I still did all the things. But I started to have an idea when I was watching the show back and I saw that so many things weren't in there. And I was like, this is not great for me. This is... And I started feeling like a, a, a little bit of nervous energy. But they... I mean, I had had my meeting to go back. So I was like, okay, I guess I am good. And then I found out on Daily Mail that I was like, oh. What? Wait, no one called you? Well, I, I was on the treadmill or the bike or whatever. And a friend of mine sent it to me. And I was like, no, come on. I think we start filming in two weeks or whatever it was. And then I called my my reps and I'm like, what the hell, what is this? And they're like, oh, we were going to call you today. We knew you were, you know, 
on vacation with your family this weekend and we didn't want to say anything, but we didn't think it would be leaked this early. And I was like, well, great. I loved finding out this way. Hold up, Teddy. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Now I'm getting a little pissed off. Wait a second. Because from my experience as a creator of reality TV and somebody who's produced a lot of shows, typically when a cast member gets the boot, the first person you call is that cast member. You don't call the reps, the attorneys. You, you, you damn sure don't leak fucking Daily Mail. No one gave you a courtesy phone call. No, but you have to also remember my main producer, who honestly I love so much, wasn't there anymore either. So if we all, it happened at the same time for both of us. So I don't know. Um, but I, I still, I mean, I love Evolution. I love Bravo. I, for years, I didn't even want to talk about Housewives because I had so much, I don't know, like remorse about some of the things that I did or for a job. And then I realized, no, I've got to make lemons into lemonade. People want to hear it. I'm a good shit talker. I am a know-it-all. Like these are skills that I have and I'm going to use it. And that's why I do the podcast. And then, you know, we see what it, what I could do. Do I wish I would have done certain things differently? Do I wish when I was in that room with Lisa Vanderpump confronting her, we would have got John Blizzard on the phone at that moment? Yes. Rookie mistakes. But ultimately, it is what it is. I'm sorry to hear that. Just so you guys know, when I had to fire people, I would call them myself because I'm the owner of the production company and I care so much about my cast that I would volunteer and say, it's best if it comes from me because at the end of the day, no one likes to get fired. I don't care if you're a housewife, a reality star, a PA, uh, uh, an executive producer. No one likes to be fired. So to me, it's always nice to hear that from somebody who represents the company. But again, all good. I I'm just saying that's my opinion. I think it actually was my reps telling them, wait, she's on vacation with her family. Wait till Monday. And then some, I don't know how it was leaked, but it was leaked. So I don't know it was necessary. Yeah. I still have a good relationship with the production. So I don't think it was them not wanting to tell me. I think it was my reps trying to protect me because there was a lot going on at that time. Does it bother you or do you have an opinion, I should say, the fact that you were not asked back because of whatever reason, but you have someone like Dorit who is still on the show and she brings nothing to it. Are you surprised that Dorit has lasted as long as she's had without having a storyline since her second season? I'm, I'm not surprised because I think that she shows a certain level of lifestyle that a lot of people that watch Beverly Hills want to see that I was incapable of bringing. I'm still incapable of bringing it, even though I have more money now and I, I dress differently. People are always like, you changed, you dress differently. Yeah, I can afford it now. When I first started, I had no money. You get paid shit your first season on Housewives. And my business was small. Like it, I had a, you know enough that I could go out to dinner on my own and not like have to use my husband's credit card. But by no means was I personally wealth. I was borrowing my friend's clothes my first season. So she is able to bring it in that aspect where one, I don't have style like that too. I don't have interest. I'm not going to spend hours and hours in glam. I will get glammed, but like right now today, I threw on a dress that's comfy and put dry shampoo in my hair. That's my level of capability. So Doris on the show because she brings fashion. I think she brings fashion. She brings lifestyle. She's over the top. And I think that even though 
maybe this season or the last, whatever it is. I didn't really watch last season until I started getting paid to watch. I took a little break, but she had three really bad years. So like maybe she's getting a little reprieve. What, what do you mean by that? Like three years were like, I mean, they were hard years as the fans coming for her. Well, I'm glad you said that because I said that people think I'm hard on Dorit and I'm going to tell you why as somebody who obviously worked with her. Dorit's first two seasons, she was super iconic. One of the best housewives I've seen in a very long time. I love Dorit so much. And I don't do this to a lot of housewives, especially the new ones. I posted Dorit on my feed, not the story, <laughs> but my feed and said, my caption was, she is everything. Because Dorit came in and she was a force to be reckoned with. She was in Lisa Renna's face. She was in, like, in Erica's face on the boat. She made Erica Jane cry. She was everything her first two seasons. And what I have said, Teddy, and I would love to get your advice on it as someone who was her coworker and you're still her friend, I said that social media ruined Dorit because I feel like she's so afraid to be herself because she's afraid of the comments on social media. So what she does is distracts the audience by her elaborate wardrobe. She looks pretty on the outside, but the inside is an abandoned house. I, I think this is something that I really wish that I, I could address because when I am watching the show, I don't watch the show to see women getting along and all. Of I watch reality television to escape from my life. You know, like that's it's like why I watch murder mysteries. I don't watch murder mysteries because, you know, I'm trying to get ideas on how to kill people. I watch murder mysteries because it's an escape. And then you zone out for whatever reason. I have a sickness. I fall asleep to murder mysteries. But like, I think that people are so brutal on Twitter online that it, it really does start to take a toll on you. And I think where it kind of made a shift for her is remember when we were at dinner at Kyle's old house. And I think I forget the exact line, but Dorit called Camille a, a C-U-N-T. And then people just kind of lo- like that was the last time I really saw Dorit like lose it, lose it. And then people just kind of went after her. And like she wasn't even being serious there. She just wanted the dinner to end. And she was like, Get away, fucking cut. you know, like she wasn't actually calling her that. And then I just think she just you know, it is what it is. And she's like, after you get burnt, after you do the dirty work for so many years, you take a step back. But I can say this, and I know I truly liked Dorit and PK's uh, scene, this episode where they talk about PK's DUI. I thought it was the most authentic. I've seen them as a couple. I thought it was a real conversation you would have with your husband. You felt the heartbreak. You felt all of it. And I appreciated that because I don't know that I've seen that with them. I, I appreciated that happening. And I even texted her. I said, listen, that was a re- I know it was really hard, but that was a really good scene because it felt real. We'll be right back after some quick ads. This is Reality with the King, and I'm Carlos King. Let's get back into my conversation with Teddy Mellicamp. Let's talk about the other women on Beverly Hills. Okay, so what 
What other continuous storylines are you seeing throughout season to season? Kyle Richards, to me, is my personal favorite housewife. Kyle this season is making me annoyed, but it's fine. It's TV, but I still love her. I think Kyle is great. Kyle is consistent about her stores, her fashions, her desires to do that, her desires still be in the acting realm. Erica Jane, consistent with this music career up until this lawsuit that happened. But you're seeing this evolution of Erica Jane that, sorry guys, I'm enjoying it. Lisa Renna is there to be a villain and she owns it and she wears her crown like no other. And now Garcelle has now understood the assignment and she is fantastic. I know, where was this Garcelle? Where was this Garcelle when I was on? People think that I am like hating on Garcelle because I say like, where was she in first season? You have to remember her first season, she was crying at the table because she felt like the girls weren't empowering each other. I'm like, you're on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. This isn't what it's about. Like, and now she has the really great confessionals. She's able to throw it. You know, like, I wish that I would have witnessed that Garcelle. No, because Garcelle is this. Again, just like I gave you the credit of being a first season housewife who's trying to get her groove going. Yeah. Garcelle obviously was on the set of Coming to America. She came in through Lisa and Denise. And I think she was just trying to get her groove. I think Garcelle has now understood, because she said this publicly, I have been famous since I was a teenager. This housewife shit is a different type of fame that I have never experienced. And I think by Garcelle being a woman, color in Hollywood of a particular age, this is her second win in life. And I think now she's owning it and she's able to be great. But... The reason why I think the other women are great, like I said, Lisa Renna never has a storyline, but I'm fine with it because <laughs> she is a villain. And I want Dorit to make a choice. Either you're going to not have a storyline because you're a villain, or give us something else to sink our teeth into, which is why a lot of people, which I disagree, but a lot of people felt that Dorit orchestrated this robbery to get a storyline. And I know personally that you actually were there that morning that sh- you got the phone call. Yeah, I mean, I, I've i never seen somebody so distraught. Like, I've never seen her like that. She's always, I mean, she's the housewife that no matter how bad anybody was fighting, you couldn't, you couldn't get a tear out of her eye. And when we went over there, and for the record, it wasn't the day that they filmed. Everyone's like, Teddy, they edited you out. I'm like, no, I was there a different morning. I wasn't there with cameras. I was there right when it first happened, along with Erica, Rena, Kyle. And it was heartbreaking to witness. And I think the aftermath is sometimes hard to watch because then you're just seeing so much of it in the confessionals. You know, people get over it. Even though you personally won't be over it. It was a traumatic thing that happened in your life. But if you're talking about something over and over and over again, it's going to come off inauthentic. Yeah, no, I believe she was robbed. And and my prayers and and, and heart goes out to Dorit, PK, and their family. You brought up Camille and obviously Dorit calling her a see you next Tuesday. Camille is someone who has a hard-on for you. She thinks you're super boring, super uninteresting. She told you to your face to shut it down. Shut it down, Teddy. Why does Camille hate you so much? You know, the interesting thing 
about Camille's my first season. Camille was all up on like she was sitting, trying to sit next to me on the plane, sit next to me at dinner. Like she was all about me. And then I think what ended up happening was I formed authentic relationships with the other women and she couldn't take it. Yeah, and we saw that because her last reunion where she, you know, listen, she was going toe-to-toe with everybody. Um, One of the scenes that year was you guys were at a dinner scene uh, with Lisa Renna's mom, Lois, may she rest in peace, where for the first time, the subject of politics came up on a Housewife show um, in regards to Brett Kavanaugh being nominated as Supreme Court Justice. Um, and, Cam- and Camille obviously said things where she, you know, not putting words in her mouth, but she supported Brett Kavanaugh, which is her American right. There was rumors that at the reunion, she said something along the lines of, I'm not going to apologize for being white. Do you think that was part of the reason why she wasn't asked back? I think that was part of the reason, but I also think it was because she was too... Uh, she would... Because she was so dramatic in scene about something and then would backtrack off camera. You can't make a show like that. Like if I'm an asshole, I'm going to be an asshole consistently. Like I'm not going to run up and see you at the mall and give you a huge hug and be like, you look so beautiful. Like I'm going to be like, Hey, and keep it moving. Like we're not getting along. I'm not going to go kiss your ass off camera. And then, so it feels weird. I'm going to keep it consistent to what I'm actually feeling. And that was not who she was. Like, even to this day, she sent me a DM, I don't know, a little while ago, just like, hey, I just wanted to let you know that the reason all of this happened between me and you was because Chris Cullen pushed me so that we would have a story. And I'm like, you can't say that. You either, do, like, I never, yes, do I know that I moved story along? But it was all my choice. Nobody pushed me to do anything. I just, you know, stuff I ultimately did but and believed in, but nobody made me do it. I made the choice to do it. It's the cheapest trick in the book to blame the producer for something you said. And I always tell people, like, why do you think these women have no mind of their own? That they're these empty, you know, shells of themselves in terms of, like, oh, I'm a puppet, so what did you say? Oh, I'm going to do it because you took... Like, these... All reality stars have a mind of their own. If you are a producer who may suggest, like, oh, bring this up or talk about that... Do you know how many times you're shut down? Like, I don't want to bring up something that happened on camera. Or, I don't know, I don't want to do that. No one forces a reality star to say things. And I always tell people, what we do as producers, if you say things in another scene on camera, then we would like for you to bring it up around the women and not just hide behind your confessionals um, because you're too scared to be confronted. So... Yeah, that's Some, that's unfortunate. Yeah, something they would they would say to me, which made a lot of sense, was, um, Teddy, if if you're feeling something, you have a choice as a housewife to either say it to their face or say it behind their back. Like that's that's what you signed up for. What is it that you want to do? And I always chose two people's faces, but that's why you also would see me be so uncomfortable sometimes because in real life, sometimes you just talk shit about people. And there's no repercussions for it. But all of a sudden, you are having, like, your moral compass is there. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to have to say something to this person right now that probably naturally I wouldn't want to say. Not because nobody's, because somebody's making me do it. It's because I don't want the alternative. I don't want to be the person that talks badly in a confessional and then is kiss ass to your face. 
So that's why you would see me sometimes just having to pull it out of myself. So let's get into this current season of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. What is your grade for this season thus far? And I'll give you my grade. I'm going to say it is a B minus. <gasps> You're my sister from another mister. I think there are great scenes. Excellent scenes. There are moments that are great. But what I'm missing from this is true, authentic friendships throughout. I think why some of the shows are so great, like, you know, why Jersey can be so great, why OC did not work this year, is because none of them were friends. And you can feel it. And I feel like this cast is so disjointed that, yes, there are great moments and there's drama and... But there's not, like, it feels like everybody's trying to be on their own show. Like, you, this isn't the blah, blah show. This is the real housewives. You're all a team. Let's go. Let's figure it out. But you don't feel that. Like, Diana is, like, phoning it in. She doesn't want to be there. You're like, you know, it's hard. Yes, I concur. I give it a B minus. There's great moments. But overall, I also think the disjointedness comes from the fact that these stories just aren't making sense. So the examples I would give is this. Garcelle is showing up and showing out, and I appreciate it. My feeling is these women don't like Garcelle in real life. I just don't think they like her. And I don't think Garcelle likes these women. I think Garcelle and Sutton have a friendship of convenience. And I think the other women, not saying they don't like her as a person. I want to say, I just don't think they are interested in investing a real friendship with her. I kind of disagree with you. I think that everybody, when Garcelle first came on, was very welcoming to Garcelle. And she was in a situation with Denise where I think when they first came on, they really thought it was like an acting set. Like, Denise would ask, like, where craft services was. And I'm like, we don't have a craft service. Stick some almonds in your purse and, like, desperado, like, you'll be eating. Like, there's there's no, like, we need a break. There's no breaks. Like, you know, they're used to being on acting sets. This is not Thing like that. Um, so I think they all saw this certain side of Garcelle that seemed very, you know, kind and t- like not wanting to be involved in it. And I think that's still what you see in scene with Garcelle for the most part. And it's a lot done in her confessionals. That is, I think she's an excellent housewife. And do I think her confessionals are great? Yes. But do I think that she's exactly the same person in the scene with the women as she is in her confessionals? No. And do I think that they know that? Yes. And that's the problem. You know what you're going to get when it comes to Rena. She's going to say it to your face. She's going to say it in her confessionals, love her or hate her. I agree with you somewhat, but I disagree with you in other ways. I think Garcelle has now been more in your face this season. I think she has done a formidable job at checking Kyle Kyle, I'm not talking to you. Why are you in this? Kyle, mind your business. Or Diana, um, you're being a mean woman. Fuck this. Or Erica, don't talk to my son like this. So I think she's definitely much more comfortable. Um, I think last season she was definitely hiding behind her confessionals. But I think this season she's coming up more in your face, which is why when Erica Jane told her son to shut the fuck up and you being a mom of children... What did you think about that? I think, and I I got hell for this, but I'm going to be straightforward. I think there's no excuse 
for that type of behavior. Absolutely no excuse. I am not making an excuse for it. If she would have said that to my kids, I would have lost it. I would have been probably way more aggressive than she was in that moment because your mama bear comes out and you just want to protect your kids. When people brought race into that and saying that these women are gaslighting Garcelle, you being on the show, you having a closer relationship with these women than any of us um, have, because obviously we're viewers, including myself. I'm a viewer. I never met any of these women. So I'm only, I only can judge based on what I'm seeing. Um, I do feel like these women gaslight Garcelle at times. Is that something that you also see knowing the, the relationships and knowing these women? I think every single one of these women, at one point or another, if you're not super close to somebody, you're baiting each other to create the drama so you don't have to in hopes that the viewers will not notice that it's you doing it. And I would say that goes across the board for every single show that you watch on All Housewives. When people bring race into these discussions. I personally wouldn't be able to comment on something that I don't 100% know about. But I can I don't ever want to minimize how somebody else may feel during it. 100%. And that's the reason why I love talking to you. Because listen, you and I are friends. Me, you, and Tam are friends. And I had Megan McCain on my podcast. And one thing that I appreciated about my conversation with Megan was the fact that she was so honest about like, look, I am a privileged white woman. Right. And when people bring race into the conversations, I had to sit back and listen because I don't know that world. I don't know what it's like to be a black woman through the lens of whatever situation we're in. And that was a beautiful conversation that she and I had. And it actually made people way more aware of Megan's sensibility about race. And that was so beautiful about her. And that's the reason why I just wanted to bring it up with you, because one thing I know is the fact that these are your real friends. And I also know that 42 minutes of an episode, they're not going to tell the whole story. Right. In terms of a scene or a relationship or a friendship, a lot of people did bring that up. And it also was something that we talked about on a podcast where people were saying, well, you know, Lisa Renna last season allegedly made a comment that, you know, this show should not bring a race because it's not our show. Just like some people say, don't bring politics into Housewives because... We want to, like you said earlier, escape and see people fight and be messy. Do you think there's a time and a place for those type of conversations, although we're on a reality show? I think if it comes down to, we can talk about Crystal with the eating disorder, mm-hmm. because that's, I, I, can, I can openly talk about that in a way that I understand a little bit more. Do I think that that was a very uneducated thing for some of those women to say to Crystal? considering she has an eating disorder and is talking about that on the show. Yes. Do I think that it's a learning opportunity to figure out as watching? Yes. Do I think that somebody should be canceled because they made such a mistake? No. I think we have to be able to learn from our mistakes. So if we're talking the eating disorder and we're talking about Erica saying the laxatives comment, she probably had no idea that laxatives were tied to eating disorders. But I think that as housewives, we have to remember people are going to make mistakes, especially people from all different walks of life. I do think that 
we have to learn from each other and we have to learn when to be quiet. And the problem is on housewives, you're not paid to be quiet. You're paid to make mistakes and you're paid to step in it and you're paid to create drama. And now because people can so quickly not be given the opportunity to learn from their mistakes, it's scary for Mm -hmm. some people. Does that make sense? No, it does. And listen, I will say this to you. One of the most special scenes last season was when Garcelle was at the table with the women and she had an emotional moment and she said something along the lines of, you know, you guys don't know what it's like being the only black woman in a room full of white women. It, it's just, it makes, some, makes people uncomfortable. Again, I'm paraphrasing. I will right. say this to you. As a black person who grew up being the first black man to produce a Housewives franchise... I related to that story because there is this sort of uncomfortableness that you have when you're sometimes the only one in a room. And as you continue to excel in your career, you're oftentimes, as a Black person, going to be the only one in the room. And the one thing that we try to do is make sure that we're there because we're meant to be there, but we're not there because we're, we're fitting some quota. And... I just think Garcelle at that moment was navigating through that. And that's why I think this season, she's much more comfortable because she now just understands her place in Housewives. And I think she's now able to just be more present and seen. So thank you for allowing us to have that conversation because this isn't about, like you said, canceling anybody. For us, it's more so about having real conversations about what's happening in the real world. And I tell people all the time, I watch The View to get my politics and to get worldly news and events. I watch Housewives to see a bunch of women (laughs) have a catty moment, fashion, be friends, drink it up. And, you know, that's what I personally want to see. But I think that, you know, when last year when that happened at dinner, I think they everybody was able to use that as a learning opportunity. I think you even hear Kathy go like, you know, she's kind of said something and then they all talked about it. And I felt like that was a very good conversation. I think it's also difficult when you do know how somebody's feeling, but then you also know, and you, and you, your heart, you don't want to cause a problem with them because you don't want to cause a problem with anybody regardless, but then it does come on the show. And then you have people on social media saying it's because of this. Like, I think that's, what's hard. I mean, you, if you're on a show to 1 million percent that happening last season, I think that was teachable moment. I think that was huge. I appreciated hearing that from Garcelle, but if on next week's episode, Garcelle and Crystal get in a fight or who knows what happens. That's where it's hard for me. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's separate. Yeah, it's, yeah, as long as it's separate, I think we should 1 million percent be talking about how somebody feels, especially in a group of friends of people who aren't the only person in the room. I have to say, a lot of people will always say, listen, your podcast is so funny because we see a side of you and hear a side of you that we did not get a chance to see on Beverly Hills Housewives. This Teddy that we get to see now would have been nice to see on the show if you were given the chance to show that side of you. Because I get that sometimes. Listen, they only have 42 minutes to show eight women. So I get that the odds may not have been in your favor. But what can fans expect from you? Is there a chance for us to see you back on reality TV? You know, I would be game for... I'm, I'm open and I... 
I enjoy entertaining. I enjoy, I enjoy talk. I, I enjoy getting involved in all of it. Um, I do know that I would do it differently. And for that aspect, I hope there, I hope there's something that, that, fits where you can kind of show all aspects. I mean, I told you even when I had Monique on my pod, how much I enjoyed watching her being able to see all of her sides, regardless if it's a fight with her husband or her friend or whatever. I really enjoy seeing the full circle, which sometimes because there's, you know, in housewives, it's just about the friend group drama that you don't see everything else. That's what I'd want to be a part of a portion of seeing the full life, because listen, it's real that not every day you're going to wake up and be in the world's best relationship with your husband, or you're going to get frustrated with your kids, or you're going to, no matter what it is, those things are going to happen, but then you're also going to have some great days and you're going to feel excellent and you're going to be thriving and you're going to like, so I would love to be able to show the good, the bad, and the ugly in some capacity, because I, I love watching reality television and I think there's more to show. And I also think there's more to show in regards to a woman who started. I mean, I started on reality TV, like really just trying to figure it out one step in front of like one foot in front of the other. And now I have a business of over 20,000 clients. And like my life has transformed because of a reality television show. And I will never forget that. Where can we follow you, support you? Okay. You can uh, follow me at Teddy Mellencamp. And if you are wanting to listen to my pod, we're at two T's in a pod. You can listen to wherever you hear podcasts. And if you're wanting to make any sort of lifestyle change, people always tease me about that being held accountable, but it's about being accountable to changing your life to feel your best, which we're not all going to have great days, but you can follow me over there at Go All In by Teddy. Thank you for listening to Reality with the King. New episodes drop every Wednesday and Friday. Share, comment, Follow and subscribe to Reality with the King wherever you get your podcast. Visit realitywiththeking.com and be sure to follow me at thecarlosking underscore on Instagram and Twitter. Reality with the King is a production of More Sauce by Stitcher. It is executive produced by me, Carlos King, and Jasmine Henley-Brown. We are also produced by Sierra Spradley-Ricks, engineering and music by Marcus Ham. More Sauce. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch involved in a then unheard of secret organization called the Illuminati and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes.